So I input her vital signs and I automatically got this alert that she was meeting SIRS criteria. The offending values that kind of triggered this was the fact that she had a mild leukocytosis. So her WBCs were 16.1 that day. Her creatinine had jumped up, almost doubled since the day before. So bumped up from 1 to 2.2. So the hypotension absolutely flagged it too. And I believe the RAS score that I gave her, I gave her a minus 1 of RAS score. She had a high chance of clinical deterioration. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. This podcast is for nurses who want the knowledge, skills, and confidence to respond to any emergency. With almost 20 years of experience in the ER and critical care nursing and a master's degree in nursing education, I have a lot of stories to share, and I love to nerd out and break down the pathophysiology, pharmacology, and nurses' role in emergencies. Stories bring learning to life. It is way easier to learn from and remember the stories that my colleagues and mentors have told me than anything I've read in a textbook. And that is why I made this podcast. Every episode is packed full of exactly what you need to know to handle whatever crisis that could arise on your shift. It's one thing to get the right answer on the test, but knowing how to detect when your patient is declining and what to do when your patient is crashing is what will make or break your day and might just save your patient's life. Welcome back to the Rapid Response Around podcast. Today, we're going to do something fun and a little different from a suggestion that comes from one of my listeners. So shout out to Shannon. Today, we're going to do a mystery episode. Usually when I'm going through a case, you, the audience, already know the diagnosis. Like, you know what it's going to be already because it's in the show title. But when I showed up to the rap response, it was a mystery to everyone who was there. So we didn't have the luxury of the title to the rapid response. It was a mystery until we started doing further assessments and diagnostics to solve the mystery, so to speak. So today's going to be different. You'll get to hear the story of this patient, and I won't reveal the diagnosis until next week in episode 69. How fun. So I will post a little snippet on Instagram as well, so you get a chance to vote on what you think the diagnosis is. But let's go ahead and dive in. So joining me today to share this interesting case is my friend Annie from Up My Nursing Game podcast. Annie, welcome to the Rap Response RN podcast. Thanks, Sarah. I'm, I'm happy to be back. Always glad to have you. As you guys probably have gathered, there just aren't that many acute care educational nursing podcasts out there. And so when I found Up My Nursing Game, I reached out to Annie and basically said, we need to be friends. <laughs> We've actually done a couple episodes together. So for episode 27, we talked about stroke. And then episode 33, she shared another case with me on a patient with vasovagal syncope. We're also both a part of the nursing pod crawl where several of us did nursing podcasts about a very important topic, delirium. Annie is a gem of a human, and I'm just so grateful to have someone like her in my life. So even though she lives all the way in California and I'm in Florida, we still chat all the time. Anyways, she sent me this case a couple weeks ago, right as I was given the idea to do a mystery episode, and the stars are aligned for us to collaborate on this one. It's going to be really good. So Annie, can you just give us a quick introduction? 
who you are, what type of nursing do you do, all the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name's Annie Fulton. Besides being a host of the Up My Nursing Game podcast, I'm also a nurse in the float pool at a large academic center in California. So on any given day, I work in one of around 30 acute and intermediate level floors at our hospital. Awesome. And then Tell me again, how long have you been a nurse? Yeah, I've been a nurse for, I think I'm at eight years now. And it's all been in acute intermediate level care. And I was a while back cross-trained to emergency. So I have some emergency experience as well, but mostly acute and intermediate care. So the jack of all trades, you just go everywhere they need you. I love it. Yep. I call myself the uh, substitute teacher of the hospital. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You never know what you're going to get when you show up. I never know. And it works well for me. Doesn't work well for everyone, but I love it. I love being on my toes and not knowing what's coming next. That's awesome. So Annie, for this patient, can you just walk us through your shift? Like give us the report that was given to you. And then what was your initial assessment of your patient at the start of your shift? Yeah, so... Um, I've actually had this patient uh, two days in a row, which is a rarity for me as a flow pool nurse. And it's a luxury. It's so nice to have that continuity of care and really get to know your patient and see the trends. It's all about the trends, right? So I had this patient on a telemetry floor. A woman was admitted for acute on chronic heart failure. She had stopped taking her diuretic medications at home. So she presented to the emergency department, shortness of breath very fluid, overloaded, and she was hospitalized for aggressive diuresis, and she was also requiring supplemental oxygen. So by the time I got her the first day, I thought, you know, she actually looked pretty euvolemic, and, you know, she had a large body habitus, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to differentiate here, you know, what is just extra weight that she's carrying versus extra volume that she's carrying extravascularly. So I thought, you know, she probably kind of reached the end of her, you know, aggressive diuresis and that we were just going to tweak meds here and there. And she's likely going to go home within a day or two. So my second day back with her, I was anticipating perhaps that we would be sending her home that day because I'd seen the day before she was very functional. She was up walking in the hall. She wasn't requiring any oxygen. She looked fairly euvolemic. But I was told that that morning, that second day back that I had her, that she had received Adorax because she'd had a very mild reaction to a, a new drug that she'd been given. And she had, uh, you know, itchy dis to her upper extremities and her chest that was kind of bothering her. So they gave her Adorax for the itchiness and to help her sleep. So when I came in to give vital signs, she was quite sleepy. And I said, you know, it was probably the Adorax. I'll just take vital signs and then kind of leave and, and push back you know, kind of her ADLs and her morning medications a little bit so, so I can let her sleep. But a few hours later, I think around 10 o'clock, I work a seven to seven shift. So around 10 o'clock, I decided, you know, the Adorax should have really worn off by now. It has a fairly fast half-life. And so I, I kind of went in and I kind of declared, you know, we're, we need to get you up. We need to take your vitals. We need to get you going with your day. But what I noticed was that she was very drowsy. She was significantly more drowsy than she'd been the day before. So I decided to dangle her at the edge of the bed, take her vital signs and kind of get an assessment of what's going on with her. So at what point did we start to get like concerned that this is not normal? (laughs) Right. So I had the luxury of 
um, knowing her baseline from the shift before. And I knew that she was just not as alert as she was the day before. And she was also not as mobile too. So when I got her up at the end of the bed, she kind of said, oh, I feel dizzy. I don't feel right. I really don't want to get up. And that was a marked change from the day before. Mm-hmm. So what were her vital signs whenever she was sitting up, lethargic, but still awake? So her vital signs were not terribly remarkable, although she did have mild hypotension. So her blood pressure was 95 over 68, heart rate of 78. And that was a decrease in blood pressure from the day before. Not a huge decrease, but a decrease, definitely. Any other concerning findings like people's or change of mental status, focal deficits, anything like that? Yeah, good question. I don't see any focal deficits. I just thought that she was very lethargic and, you know, the dizziness was new too. But Mm. my main finding was just the lethargy and the dizziness and decrease in blood pressure. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so lower blood pressure, she's lethargic, not her at her baseline because you actually had got to know her baseline. Given all those assessments, what did you ultimately decide to do? So the computer system at my hospital kind of beat me to it in a way. So I input her vital signs and I automatically got this alert that she was meeting SIRS criteria. And the offending values that kind of triggered this was the fact that she had um, mild leukocytosis. So her WBCs were 16.1 that day. Her creatinine had jumped up, um, almost doubled um, since the day before. So bumped up from 1 to 2.2. So the hypotension absolutely flagged it too. And I believe the RAS score that I gave her, I gave her a minus one of RAS score. Okay, yeah. Was part of that calculation that determined that she had a high chance of clinical deterioration. Gotcha. So a rapid response nurse was flagged without me doing it um, to come see the patient because that's part of the, um, the workflow that we have at my hospitals. As soon as someone is flagged for sepsis, that will have a rapid response nurse reach out. So that was going on in the background. So I was concerned about obesity hypoventilation uh, syndrome because of her large habitus and the way she was sleeping before made me concerned that she was not ventilating well. So I had reached out to the provider and asked for uh, BBGs, also let her know, you know, the status of the patient, gave her the latest vital signs and a general SBAR of what was going on. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so it sounds like all the stars are aligning. You're like, okay, she's different. Her vital signs are different. Her lab values are different. Ding, 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 sepsis alert. Okay, in comes the rapid response nurse to assess the patient. You're also doing a good job advocating for the patient, getting diagnostics ordered with the provider. Perfect. So in your mind, you're thinking there could, could this be sepsis? Could this be hypercapnia from OHS? Could there be something else metabolic? I mean, there's so many things that can cause someone to be lethargic, right? Like there's literally a gazillion things that can cause lethargy. So like, which one is it? Um, I wanted to say too, like oftentimes, the rapid response doesn't know either. So just because <laughs> just we yeah. show up, we're not like, oh yeah, obviously this is from this. I'm in the same boat as you. We're going to need more diagnostics to figure this one out. I mean, obviously treat the patient, ABC assessment. If I need to intervene right now, I will. But like, if she's kind of talking to me, protecting your airway, we've got some time to delve into the diagnostics. So yes, I love the idea of getting a VBG. That is often the humdinger to tell us what's going on. <laughs> all right, so you did all these things. You looked in the lab, but something is going on with this patient. Yeah, to be fair, like, I, I didn't think it was sepsis. Like she, she wasn't really presenting with 
sepsis-like symptoms. Like there was never any thought of an infection and she didn't have a fever. Um, and I know myelogocytosis isn't necessarily indicative of an infection. So I guess I was, I really downplayed the idea of it being sepsis and I was really stuck on hypercapnia related to OHS just by seeing her sleep and kind of seeing, you know, this play out in other patients too who are ventilating well when they sleep. All right. So that's all we're going to share for right now. When we come back next week, Anne's going to share the rest of the diagnostic findings. What ended up being the diagnosis for this patient? So go ahead and go over to Instagram and be a part of the discussion. Like, What could be happening? I'll give you a hint. Like Annie said, it's actually not sepsis. <laughs> but we'll have the diagnosis next week when we break down the path of visit this patient's condition. So Annie, thank you for sharing this case with my listeners. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to unpack it again in episode 69. Right. See you next week. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that if you like this episode, you would probably like my course too. My one-hour rapid response and rescue course is an introduction to how I approach emergencies. If you would like to learn to think, assess, and respond quickly when your patient is crashing, then you can check out my website, rapidresponseandrescue.com. And if you message me the word podcast on Instagram, I will send you a coupon code for $10 off the cost of the course. Oh, and did I mention that the course is approved by the AACN and worth one continuing education contact hour? So if you want to level up your emergency response skills and get one CE in the process, then this course is what you want. I put the link in the show notes for you. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport, so trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you are confident you've done what's right by your patient. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing and your patient care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at rapidresponseandrescue.com or on social media platforms as the Rapid Response RN. 